Welcome to episode 12 of the FDIC Fitness Center podcast. My name is John Porter. I'm a health and fitness specialist at the FDIC Fitness Center. And today I want to talk about stress management. We recently hosted a webinar with Dr. Frank Sassetti talking about anxiety management. And Dr. Sassetti went over the sort of physiological underpinnings of stress and anxiety. He took us through an exercise of diaphragmatic breathing, which was excellent. So you might want to check that out on your own. I'm not going to be covering that same ground here, but I do want to talk about a few other techniques we can use for managing stress. Although my first couple of quick hacks do involve breath because breath is a very effective way to center ourselves and to control our stress and relieve our stress and anxiety. And my first little quick fix uh, is just very simple. It's to count your exhales. When you're stressed, when you're feeling a little overwhelmed, just kind of step back a second, just count your exhales. It just shifts your mind a little bit and helps you become a bit more centered. The person who told me about this technique, told me she uses it when she's sitting in traffic. When she's feeling stressed in traffic, just counting the exhales can be very helpful to just take your mind off the thing and help you calm down. Another effective breathing technique is called box breathing. And I'm going to take you through that now, just so bear with me for a moment. If you would, just take a second and become aware of your breath, just to observe your inhales and your exhales. And then we're going to begin to equalize the inhales and exhales so they're about the same length. And maybe we do that on a four count. So we breathe in one, two, three, four, and we breathe out one, two, three, four. And we might begin to notice there's a natural pause between the inhales and the exhales. We're going to lengthen that pause now, not hold the breath, not clench or bear down, just a light pause of the breath, again, for that four count. So maybe you want to visualize a square, and we're going to travel around that square. Each side takes us the same amount of time to travel. So we inhale up one side of the square for one, two, three, four. We pause the breath across the top of the square for one, two, three, four. We exhale down the other side of the square for one, two, three, four. And we pause the breath moving back across the bottom for one, two, three, four. You can just repeat that as many times as you like. It's called box breathing. It's again a way to focus ourselves, calm ourselves down and bring awareness into our breath. Another technique that Dr. Sassetti touched on is exercise. Exercise can be a great way to reduce your stress, though the way this is often described is that we are designed, you know, from millions of years ago, when our stressors were physical things like being chased by a saber-toothed tiger. Our stressors today tend to be more cognitive, more, you know, mental stresses, uh, but our bodies respond in that same fight-or-flight fashion where we get all charged up and ready to either, you know, fight with something or run away from it. Well, exercise helps us kind of relieve that impulse. It kind of helps burn off those hormones. And that's the, um, the benefit of it in that situation. It just helps calm you down because it helps you work off that sense of being wound up and spun up that you might get into when you're really stressed or upset. So exercise is a great way to do it. Even simple things like taking a walk can be very helpful just to help clear your head, 
to get away from whatever it is that's stressing you so you get some perspective, maybe get a better opportunity to, to deal with it. I had an experience like this once when I was stressed about something and I was getting very spun up about it and I just couldn't really even think of a way to be proactive and address it. I went and took a yoga class. And of course, yoga is great for physical and for mental well-being. So I came out of that class just so much calmer and so much more able to deal with the situation and find a solution. It was really kind of amazing. I never forgot how much that one class and that one experience helped me discover you know, the benefit of exercise and yoga in particular for dealing with stress, just to clear the head and, um, and help you deal with whatever situation you have to deal with. Next quick tip is to laugh, believe it or not. Just find something that makes you laugh. Laughter reduces our stress hormones. So when you're stressed, try to take a break. Try to find a joke or a funny video or a meme or something to crack you up. And that might actually help you reduce your stress level, kind of, you know, help you reset and address whatever's bothering you. Another technique, of course, would be meditation, um, you know, mindful practice that will help you, you know, again, calm the mind, calm the body, and uh, help you focus so that you can come back and deal with whatever problem you're dealing with. One sort of meditation you could look into is called yoga nidra, yoga N-I-D-R-A. It means yoga sleep, but it's not actual sleep. It's a meditation technique that takes you through a progressive relaxation of your body. It involves breath work. And just a few minutes of that can be very refreshing and very invigorating and just help you sort of reset. You can go online if you want and do a quick search. There's like 10 minute videos on YouTube that I've used for yoga nidra. That's yoga, Y-O-G-A, nidra, N-I-D-R-A. So those are some quick sort of physical approaches for the most part, some mind-body approaches as well. But there's another aspect of stress that we can deal with that's just more purely on the cognitive level. And I'm gonna introduce this by reading you a different definition of stress you may not have heard before. It is that stress is the psychological, physiological, and behavioral response by an individual when they perceive a lack of equilibrium between the demands placed upon them and their ability to meet those demands, which over a period of time leads to ill health. Another way of saying this is that stress occurs when pressure exceeds your perceived ability to cope. So we think about it this way. There's something out there that to you appears to be a harm or a threat or some kind of loss. And on the other hand is your ability to deal with it. The resources you have, um, your own abilities, to face whatever that harm, threat, or loss is. When that harm, threat, or loss exceeds your perceived ability to cope with it, that causes you stress. On the other hand, when your ability to cope exceeds the perceived harm, threat, or loss, that's not stressful because you, by definition, you can deal with it, you can cope with it. So it's that perception, again, it's a cognitive aspect. And we're not always right when we perceive these things. Sometimes we might not be taking everything into account. So my recommendation is when you're feeling stressed by a situation, the first thing I like to do is just kind of tell myself, you can handle this. You can get through it. Because sometimes we do the opposite. Sometimes we just tell ourselves that we can't deal with it. And that almost gives us permission not to deal with it. So tell yourself that you can deal with it. Give yourself that little pat on the back, that little bit of positive self-talk. That's a good way to start off on figuring out how to deal with it. Another way, uh, so from that point on, I would say the next step would be to look at your resources and your abilities and your support group. You know, 
what do you have available that will help you deal with whatever situation you have? And don't forget your friends and your family and your coworkers, depending on the situation. You do have help out there. Typically, we just have to ask for it. Sometimes we don't like to ask for it, but we can ask for it. So um, do that. Take stock of your resources because that might change right there your perception of your ability to cope when you think, oh, well, you know, I don't know this, but so-and-so can tell me that or so-and-so can help me with the other thing or whatever. So look for those resources. Be very active and, you know, seeking help and support, you know, look for more information when needed. Just, you know, you can't just sit there and stew. You have to get out there and do something to help you break through whatever you're dealing with. Um, the next thing would be to take that idea itself of a harm, threat, or loss and convert it to the idea of a challenge. Dr. Sassetti talked about distress being bad stress and eustress, E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S, being the good kind of stress. Well, that's kind of what we're talking about here. The bad stress is when we see things as being harmful or threatening or causing us a loss. The good stress is when we see things as a challenge. A challenge is something that we can rise to. It's something that can help us grow and expand. Sometimes situations can be interpreted either way, and it's up to you to decide which way you're going to interpret it. So I had a situation once where uh, something came up where it caught me off guard. It was something I wasn't prepared to deal with. And I almost said, this isn't what I signed up for. I can't do it, whatever. But then I stopped myself. I said, well, this thing that I need to do, I would have done it anyway, even if I had known these circumstances in advance. So figure it out. And I did. And I enjoyed the situation very much after that. So take it as a challenge. Look for ways to deal with it. Sometimes the best way I've found to deal with things is to break them down into pieces and not be overwhelmed by the totality of something. I always think back to when I was in the 10th grade, had a geometry class. We had to do these proofs and they would give you like the premises or whatever they called it. You had to work to a certain conclusion, a certain outcome. And it always looked kind of daunting from a distance because you couldn't see intuitively how to get from the beginning to the end but you, you don't do it in one fell swoop. You do it one piece at a time. You break it down. And that's the way a lot of things work, I found. You know, if you're feeling stressed about something and you're like, oh, I just can't handle this whole thing. Well, you need not handle the whole thing. You need only find a first step that you can take and then a second step that you can take and then another step that you can take. So break things down into pieces. Even if you can't see the whole picture, even if you can't see the outcome, you know, take a step, do something, be proactive, reinforce your own agency, your own ability to deal with the circumstance so that one little piece can help move you toward, you know, what do they say? The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. So take that first step, break it down into pieces, deal with the situation that way. Another thing just that I've also found helpful, this isn't anything that I can really tell you that I read anywhere. I just sort of did this. When I was in college, I remember when I would have exams or papers do, I like to think about the time beyond that, the time after that will be done. And I found that was very helpful to me to sort of decompress, sort of to visualize like, okay, I'm going to get through this, got to get through it. Time's not going to stop. You're just going to move on. And, um, and there will come a day when this thing is behind me. And just that knowledge can be, I think, comforting as well. So visualize the time beyond whatever is stressing you after the project is done, after the circumstance is resolved. Um, and that can be just something that gives you a little bit of hope and it helps you get through the stress as well. All right. Um, 
Next, I want to talk about shifting gears a little bit, moving from things that are more in the immediate moment to things that we can kind of shift in our general lifestyle to help us lead a less stressful life, to help prevent stress or reduce stress before it really, before it really hits us. And the first thing I want to talk about is a gratitude practice. Let me introduce this by reading something that I found in the Harvard Business Review. It said, we experience gratitude when we shift our focus from what we don't have to what we do. And when we take time to appreciate and be thankful for those who have contributed to the abundance in our lives. Nearly a decade of research has found that people who have regular gratitude practices are healthier, happier, and have better relationships. Further research suggests that gratitude is also key in helping individuals and teams persevere in challenging tasks. Think of your mind like your digestive system. What you put in it impacts how you feel. When you flood your mind with a constant flow of worry, envy, resentment, and self-criticism, compounded by a barrage of news and other media, it negatively impacts your mental well-being. A gratitude practice is like a workout and a healthy eating plan for your mind. A way that I was taught about this was, uh, if you think about your your mind like a road. And when you take those same thoughts down that road over and over again, they will dig ruts into the road. And that becomes the path that's then easier to follow because those ruts already exist. And if those ruts you've dug into your road are negative, if they're self-critical, if they're just always looking for the negative aspect of life, then that's what your mind will naturally go to. That's what you're training yourself to do. That's your filter that you've given yourself to see the world through. The purpose of the gratitude practice is to turn that around and to begin to look at things from a point of view of abundance, a point of view of what is good for us, you know, people that are kind to us, things that are helpful in our lives, things that we're grateful for and appreciate. And by developing that way of thinking, we sort of rewire the brains and we change those ruts in the road to be ruts that are looking for gratitude. It just sort of changes our perception. Whatever we look for, we're more likely to find. If we're looking for negative things, if we're looking for people that have offended us or slighted us, if we're looking for the bad things, things to complain about, we will certainly find them. But if we're looking for good things, benevolent things, things that make us happy and bring us joy, we can find those too if we're just willing to be open to them. So that's a gratitude. That's the beginning of a gratitude practice. One easy way to approach that is just to get yourself a journal, a notebook, or just a blank diary of some kind. Try to write down three things a day that make you feel grateful. And this will just train your mind to look for things over time, to focus on the good things and not the bad things. And that's the idea of gratitude. I think that... Um, one of the benefits of this, I talked earlier about, you know, comparing your available resources and abilities to your perception of a harm, threat, or loss. I think when we have a gratitude practice, we are just we have a greater awareness of our support system and our abilities and of the good things. And I think that that might be part of why gratitude is helps reduce stress because we have we're stronger in that we know we're more consciously aware of the good things and the people that will support us and help us. Uh, this idea of you know changing how our brain brain thinks it calls to mind something i've heard a couple times that neurons that fire together wire together so just to reinforce this idea that when we change the way we think you know consciously over time it becomes kind of subconscious it becomes the way we naturally look at things because we've conditioned our brains to look for positive things a couple notes here about gratitude that it does live 
They studied it. It lowers stress hormones in the body. It releases the feel-good hormones, dopamine and serotonin, and it helps us deal with adversity and build strong relationships. So give that a try. Just see if it helps you at all. Another lifestyle adjustment that may help reduce your stress and maybe even prevent certain stresses from even coming up is to be better at time management. This could be its own webinar, its own podcast, I'm sure, but I just want to give you a few quick tips on time management to help you perhaps reduce the stress or prevent the stress before it comes up. And the first tip is to just always build extra time into your schedule. Because if we schedule ourselves so tight that there's no wiggle room, we're going to be stressed. We're going to be sitting in a meeting thinking like, is this going to be over on time for my next meeting to start? We're going to be sitting in the car because we're just, we cut it so close to arrive at our appointment that we're always stressed about being there on time. Whereas if we build in extra time, assuming correctly that nothing ever works the way it's supposed to, that traffic won't always be as good as it should be, there will be backups and there'll be delays, that meetings will run long, the people are going to hold up, hold us up. Um, so yeah, so try to build that extra time in just to reduce the amount of stress. And I always say these days, you could always, you know, when you get there early, just you've got something to do because you've got your phone with you, you can go on and check your email or whatever you need to do at that point, because you'll have some extra time if you built that extra time in. But having said that about checking your phone, don't be a slave to technology. This is my next time management tip. Don't be a slave to technology. Learn to turn off your phone and shut down your email when you need to, to get a job done. These things can be very distracting. If we are in the middle of something and we have to stop to reply to every email, we'll never get the thing done. So we have to learn to set certain times to check messages and certain times not to, when we can just focus on the work. We have been led to believe that there's this wonderful thing called multitasking that we do, where we can do all these different things at once and it's just so productive and it's not true. <laughs> there is no such thing as multitasking. We cannot do multiple things at once. We can do several different things in quick succession. And every time we change from one thing to the next thing, we have to refocus and kind of find our train of thought all over again. And it eats up a lot of our time much, much better to try to focus on one thing at a time to you know, get to concentrate on it, to get into our little flow state, maybe get that done, then move on to the next thing. And again, one way to help with that is to manage your technology effectively, not letting it run your life, but you just, you, you let it know when you want to use it. I'm reminded of one time I was in the grocery store and they had these little handheld scanners you could take through with you. And you could scan your, your stuff as you went through. And then when you got to the checkout, you just scanned a code and it rang it up and you were done. You were out the door. And I thought, this is cool. This is great. I love stuff like this. So I took this little thing in my hand and I walked through the store and it constantly was ringing and dinging and dinging at me because there was an offer here and a special there, whatever. It drove me crazy. And I just thought, I've got a phone and a computer that ring at me all day long and make noises at me all day long. I do not need this in the grocery store. So I never used it again. I'm just saying, when you get annoyed by those things, shut them off and focus on the, the task at hand. Next tip, learn to say no, or at least not to say yes right away. We sometimes take on way too much because we wanna be a good person and helpful and we want people to like us. They'll like us if we don't do everything they ask us to do, trust me. So learning not to say yes right away is so helpful because it helps us better manage our resources, our time and our energy and it stops us from uh, overwhelming ourselves. So don't deliberately overwhelm yourself. 
learn to say no, or at least to not say yes right away, just to say, let me think about it and get back to you. It's not offensive. It's an easy way to sort of look at things and say, well, I maybe you can do it. It's okay to say yes if you can do it. It's okay to say no if you can't do it or to try to find some other compromise, like maybe you can do part of it if someone else can do part of it, whatever it is. So be protective and proactive about you know, your own time and don't let yourself become overwhelmed. Um, it's, it's easy to become overwhelmed, but we need to establish healthy boundaries to protect ourselves. Next tip. Uh, do it now. This is an approach to work where we try to handle things just one time. As you know, as things come in, we deal with them, we pay the bill, we file the, the paper, we throw the thing away, whatever it is. Uh, we do it now as much as possible, and then things don't pile up. We just address the issues as they arrive. This isn't always possible, of course, or even isn't is, isn't even always the most sensible approach, depending on what kind of thing it is. I mean, sometimes it's better to batch things up. And do similar things all together, but uh, this do it now approach can help. Be you know it can be very helpful in certain ways. It will save you time later, uh, rather than you know going through your desk and coming across the same thing six times before you actually do it. If you just do it now, it's over, it's done with. So it saves you time. It might also save other people time. It might save you aggravation from people calling you six times to say, "Is it done yet? Is it done yet? Is it done yet?" Do it now. It's already done. That you don't get those phone calls. People won't be bugging you because you've already taken care of it. So look for those opportunities to get things done right away where you can, you know, where it makes some sense. The other benefit of taking care of things right away and handling things as they arise is that will help to reduce the amount of clutter. You just you won't have papers and things lying around on your desk or taking up space where things pile up, you forget what's there. It, and clutter is stressful. Clutter is associated with stress, depression, and anxiety. Uh, clutter in your life overall correlates with, believe it or not, being overweight with a poor quality of sleep. And I just think of clutter as being like potential time bombs. Like you've got a pile of stuff, what's in that pile? Could be a bill that you should have paid last week. Could it be an invitation for something you, you've now missed? Um, something you needed to get done, but now you've, you, know, you haven't gotten it done. So clutter is just stressful. So clearing out that clutter can be helpful. This is true in your work and in your life as well. Uh, as I mentioned, they've associated clutter with a poor quality of sleep. People that sleep in cluttered spaces don't sleep as well, believe it or not. So do it now. Declutter can be very helpful. Now, the next tip has to do with prioritizing things. You have a lot of things on your plate. Sometimes you just kind of spin around trying to decide what to do first, how to approach it. And that's, that in itself is stressful. So a technique that can help you sort out when you have you know, a lot on your plate is this technique of important versus urgent. So we look at things in these two ways. Are they important? Are they urgent? And the first things you want to tackle are the things that are both of high importance and high urgency. They need to get done, and they need to get done very quickly, very soon. That's pretty obvious. You know, that's, that's an easy one. You pick those things up, take care of them first. Don't get distracted by the easy stuff, the small stuff. Focus on that stuff that needs to get done right away uh, because it's important. Now, the next category of things to approach would be things that are of high importance but low urgency. That might seem a little counterintuitive because they're not urgent, but don't wait until they are urgent is the point. They're important. They need to be done get them done now before they become urgent, before they're stressful. So low, impo low importance, high urgency, that's your next step. 
the third category of things is things of low importance but high urgency. Yeah, they're urgent, but they're not important. They're not important. Maybe someone else can do it. Maybe it doesn't matter all that much if it gets done or not. You know, we all have tasks that are just like not that important. We shouldn't, we shouldn't push the important things aside to deal with the things that aren't important. So low importance, high urgency, that's our third category that we approach. And our final category is things of low importance and low urgency. And those might be things you can just not do altogether. Maybe those are things that you can just put aside and just never get back to because they're not important. They're not urgent. So why bother with them? So if those things are possible to sort out and get rid of, get rid of them and focus on the things that are most important. Finally, one last way of looking at how to approach, you know, a full plate is to use the 80-20 rule, which tells us that we get about 80% of our outcomes from about 20% of our efforts or causes. So if you think about your work, you know, what are the things you do that give you the most bang for your buck? The things you do that are most productive, that get the most done, that help the most people, whatever. Focus on those things. Um, they will probably be things of high importance and high urgency, but uh, there's probably some correlation there. But this is just another way of thinking about it, this 80-20 rule, looking for the 20% of things you do that give you the 80% of the outcomes. Uh, and that can be just a quick way to you know, organize your time as well. So just to review, we talked about breathing. We talked about counting breaths. We talked about box breath. We talked about our cognitive approaches of trying to uh, reframe things from being a harm, threat, or loss to being a challenge. We talked about a gratitude practice, writing down three things a day that make us feel good. We talked about time management, things like giving yourself extra time, turning off technology, learning to say no, doing it now, and trying to prioritize our work. So I hope some of these techniques will be helpful to you. They, a lot of them have been helpful to me, I can tell you, over time, trying to either manage or reduce stress before I even have stress. So I wish you well. I encourage you to use that one tip of exercising because after all, that's what I do. I work in fitness. So come see us in the fitness center sometime. Take a class. Um, I wish you well. Thank you for listening. Again, I am John Porter. Please join us next time.